had to rethink everything about how we do business. It's almost like a meteor hit the entire planet. It's chaos, complete chaos. For businesses large and small. No revenue coming in whatsoever. Coronavirus represents an unprecedented challenge. From Fortune Media, this is reInvent, the podcast about fighting to thrive in a world turned upside down. I'm Beth Coet, Fortune Senior Editor. And I'm Andrew Nuska, Fortune's digital editor and Beth's co-host on today's show. COVID-19 has dramatically changed life as we know it. Businesses are being forced to totally rethink what they do and how they do it. And it's all happening right now as we speak, and the stakes couldn't be higher. Americans at this point are unfortunately very familiar with the fact that COVID-19 has killed close to a quarter of a million people in the U.S. In addition to this horrible public health crisis, we're also in the middle of an economic crisis, especially when you consider just the staggering number of jobs that have been lost since March. The coronavirus pandemic will cause the worst global economic fallout since the Great Depression almost a century ago. A record 20.2 million U.S. workers were laid off by private employers in April. Staggering is right. Uh, Back in April, the unemployment rate was above 14 percent, which is just hard to imagine. The good news is things have improved, but millions of people are still out of work. And what's becoming clear, at least according to economists, is that the jobs that were lost, they're not coming back. That's right. I mean, millions and millions of Americans are going to need to find something else to do. Andrew, typically on the show, we talk about a company that's having to completely reimagine itself. This episode is maybe a little different. It's the American workforce that needs to reinvent itself. And a company that's making that happen is Coursera. They're called MOOCs, Massive Open Online Courses. And they might help college students save money and graduate faster. Oh, Beth, you're talking about MOOCs. (laughs) I haven't heard that term in years, not since I was a technology editor. They were all the rage for a while. And, you know, we really haven't talked about them in some time. These are open access classes widely available online, and Coursera is one of the biggest platform offering MOOCs. I sometimes like to say that Coursera was an experiment that escaped from the university lab. I mean, the company was founded in 2012 by two Stanford professors. One is Daphne Kohler. She's a MacArthur Genius Award winner in computer science. The other is Andrew Ng, who is one of the most celebrated artificial intelligence experts in the world. And they both were playing around in 2011, 2010 with putting courses up for free on the internet and their Stanford courses in machine learning and computer science. They're very, very popular. So a lot of people came and they thought, you know what, we could create a lot more access to people around the world to high quality education if we use this this internet thing. That was Coursera CEO, Jeff Magincalda. He and I spoke recently and Coursera began uh, many years ago by partnering with elite universities to put some of their most popular classes online and it was free. And a lot of it is still free, but now you can also pay to take a class and earn a certificate along with it. Ah, yes, we know this model very well, the freemium model. A lot of media companies use it and it makes sense here. You can access really a scale of students never before seen and then start to monetize further down. 
Right. And I think you've seen that. I mean, Magin Caldas says that the number of people signing up for Coursera courses has just boomed during COVID. We'll probably have 30 million people signing up just in 2020. So our, our growth, we're up to 75 million learners right now. And most of it is because people were sort of forced to try this out. We also had institutions who might have taken three or four years to ever try something like online learning being forced to try it in 2020. So to some degree, COVID was like a huge required experiment with online learning. How has the way people use Coursera changed during this time? So we, we have seen um, dramatic increases in the amount of courses that people are, being, are taking. It's up three to four times. The number of new learners coming to Coursera is up five to six times. So lots of more people are coming online. The top courses so far in 2020 globally, number one is the Science of Well-Being by Yale University. So this is really about kind of resilience and kind of keeping your mental health uh, in shape during a tough period. Number two is Machine Learning from Stanford. Number three, which is a new course that was offered in 2020, is called COVID-19 Contact Tracing by Johns Hopkins University. A lot of people want to become contact tracers for jobs, and so this is how they train to do that. Why do you think so many people are really flocking to your platform at this moment? Well, to be honest, I think a lot of it is because people are locked at home. <laughs> they have a lot of extra time. They're watching Netflix. They're, they're learning some things. Uh, in addition, a lot of folks are, are furloughed or are being laid off. And this is uh, a shock to the system due to COVID, but there's been a long trend towards job automation that's been happening for years and years and years. So many types of jobs that are getting automated, they're not coming back. And people who are in those careers need to retrain for, for new careers. Microsoft uh, estimates that um, in the next five years, we will grow from 50 million digital jobs to 150 million new jobs, digital jobs within five years. So there's a huge number of new digital jobs they'll be available in high demand with good salaries. I think a lot of individuals are saying, well, I'm locked at home. I've had my job either automated or just, you know, I got laid off because, because of COVID. I've been thinking I kind of need to switch careers because I would like to do something that has a promising future, not a, not a dead end. And this will help me get an entry level job in a new type of career altogether. So I think people are just realizing that the world is changing. So Coursera is becoming a tool for people to essentially launch a new career in a new digital economy. And, you know, that's not optional now. This is the 21st century. Uh, for many people, this is a serious way to survive. Absolutely. And in our conversation, Magin Calda made this point to me. The three categories of skills that are most in demand are, on, on Coursera at least, are data science, technology, and business. We often say internally, skills pay the bills. I mean, that's really what people buy, that's what advances their careers, et cetera. The computer is going to seem to judge your mistakes harshly. You will learn the word syntax error a lot. And As he said, skills do pay the bills, but there's definitely a range here. You know, not all digital skills are created equally. So it's everything from people learning computer programming to people learning how to manipulate spreadsheets. Make sure you follow along and practice, practice, practice. Step by step, you will take charge of formulas and functions in Excel. It's a range in what people are, are turning to Coursera for. 
And it's not just individual go-getters who are really accessing these things. Coursera is also partnering with governments to bolster their reskilling programs too. When COVID broke out, we launched something called the Coursera Workforce Recovery Initiative, where we basically gave Coursera free to any government to help unemployed people uh, during 2020. Since then, we have launched with 70 countries, 30 of the 50 United States. We have 330 programs that are live with a million learners and almost 7 million enrollments. These are all government-sponsored reskilling initiatives. So this has just driven massive use of the platform, and it's kind of the mainstreaming of MOOCs. Who would have thought? (laughs) Who would have thought indeed? But it makes sense, Beth. Everyone has the opportunity to rethink education at scale for not a lot of money. Who wouldn't? You know, Beth, companies have been telling us for years about different ways and approaches to reskilling. They know that they're not getting the right talent when they're off hiring, and they know they need to see changes in the traditional education model. The coronavirus pandemic, that's really put a point on it. And now companies are looking to technology to solve these entrenched problems. That's right, but I think it's more than fulfilling a corporate need. There's another side of this, and it's the worker. So for this episode, we talked to Dr. Annalise Goger from the Brookings Institute. She said we need to think differently about what the labor market will look like after COVID. It's not so much that people will need to find just new jobs. It's that people will need to find new careers. And switching careers is partly about training, but it's mostly about who you know, and knowing the culture of that industry you're trying to break into. So if you want to be a cloud engineer, that's great. But if you don't know anyone who's a cloud engineer, it's going to be hard for you to get information about you know how to market yourself to an employer, which courses and program languages to take. You know, if you want to work for Google, then you should take this. If you want to work for Amazon, you should take that. And that type of information generally is not widely available and easy for most people to find. And so economists might call that information asymmetry. Gogur says not having the information they need to even get started is just a huge barrier for people getting into new careers. It's very tricky to navigate a new field where you don't know much. Um, It just takes a lot of time and you have to kind of cut yourself some slack that it's going to take a little time to figure it out. And the best way to do it is to find as many people as you can that already work in that industry to help you navigate the new world that you're about to go into. And when it becomes clear that, you know, taking a course would benefit you, then you take the course. But I would be wary of taking a course until you're pretty sure that you need it. Because sometimes you can spend a lot of time on a course and then it doesn't really help you. Um, And then people can get frustrated because they're like, but I put all this time into this course and it's not really changing the outcome. The key thing to remember is just that the more time you give to building relationships with people, um, eventually over time, you will know somebody that will help vouch for you when the time is right. That's how people get hired. So if I understand, Gogur, 
a career isn't just new skills. It's not just a series of boxes you can tick. There are intangibles to everyone's career, a social network, and that plays a part too. Yeah, it definitely does. And I think some of those real human elements like networking, it's so much harder for people to do that right now as we're living in this strange virtual online world during COVID. Getting back to my conversation with Magin Calduck of Coursera, at this moment where just so many people are turning to the internet and living in the digital world, it's kind of Coursera's moment. The vision of MOOCs all along has really been to try and democratize education. That's right, Beth. In just the span of a few months, COVID has been a great leveler. So the theory is if you can log on, you can participate in the new economy. But that's just the theory. Right, and Imagine Calda recognizes that this is just a really hard moment for so many people, but he is hopeful that what you're saying is true, that this is a leveling moment. In so many ways, COVID has caused to increase inequality. If you look at unemployment, if you look at food insecurity, uh, if you look at the wealth gap, it is really disparately hitting certain populations. Uh, generally speaking, you know, whites have been less impacted than non-whites. Women have been more impacted than men. And at the intersection of those, it's even more extreme. So I'd say initially, at least, COVID has been not a good thing. It has been something that's driven inequality. But I can see a world where a few years from now, we look back and we see COVID as having opened up opportunities for greater social equity in the states and around the world than we've ever seen before, coming down to two basic things. COVID was one of the shocks that caused people to realize anyone can learn anything from anywhere. So learning opportunities are no longer constrained by where you live and the community you live in. And at the same time, and this is the twin pillar of opportunity in my opinion, remote work has allowed people to get jobs and employment opportunities, even if those don't exist in their own community. One of the most exciting things about digital jobs is often they can be learned online and they can be performed online. So I could learn how to do a job and I could get and perform that job without having to move. And I think that could be a great equalizer of learning opportunity and economic opportunity post-COVID. And I'm, I'm excited about that. If you have internet, right? Like internet, you have to have the internet. That's the key. You need internet access and you need to have a fundamentally good education. If you don't know how to read, if you don't know how to write, if you don't know basic mathematics, if you don't know statistics, you're already behind and you'll be falling further behind. So I'd say that governments have a real duty to make sure there's connectivity available to everybody and really strong K through 12 education so that when people become adults, they're coming from a more equal learning uh, point of view so that they can take advantage of the knowledge that's out there on the internet. So it's clear that Majin Calda is bullish on the internet, providing incredible access to education and jobs and just opportunities. But Beth, as you point out in your interview, you need internet. You need that connection. And we can't forget that so much of not just the United States, but the world still doesn't have that in the year 2020. Yeah, and it's worth also reiterating that 
Dr. Gogerer thinks that it's great that there are these online classes, but that a lot of people honestly just need the very basics, something as simple as, you know, how do I look for a job? And that it's really the government's role to provide that scaffolding. In an ideal world, we would actually invest a lot more attention in that first step, which is career information, career navigation, someone understanding, like, how do I transition to another career? What are the stages? How do I access very specific information for that field about, like, what types of qualifications do I need? How do I market myself? Which would be very different if you're, say, trying to get into healthcare versus trying to get into construction. So can an online education solve reskilling? It sounds like sort of. Making more skills available to more people, let alone the unemployed, is unquestionably a good thing. But it still won't give people internet who don't yet have it. And it won't create jobs where there are none. And as Dr. Gogor says, there's just so much more that goes into finding a new job and a new career than reskilling. A lot of it comes down to who you know and the connections you can leverage. And honestly, that's really a lot more than just your internet connection. Reinvent is a production of Fortune Media. This episode was produced and edited by Wyatt Orm. Executive producers are Megan Arnold and Mason Cohn.